Just when you think, ah, it's the offseason, what are you going to talk about? Literally every day so far, there's been breaking news that applies to Penn State. This time, it's a big one. If you haven't seen yet, uh, Brent Pry is about to be named the newest head coach at Virginia Tech. So I brought in our do-it-all reporter who covers recruiting, college, uh, covers Penn State football, all facets, facets of it, breaking news. Greg Pickle is our guy, so he's coming on the show. First off, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you taking the time. And take us through what you've read about, seen, and heard, the build-up to the announcement today that Brent Pry is going to be the next head coach at Virginia Tech. Yeah, happy for Brent. He's a guy that many of us, including yourself, who have covered Penn State, have been able to know well over the years. And I think he's done so many great things for Penn State football. I think Penn State Football has a lot to thank him for in terms of what his defense has done to either win some games or stay in them and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, a really good career for him so far. And in his 31st season as a coach, he will become a head coach for the first time. So this news apparently has been in the works for a while, kind of hit the public stratosphere on Monday when ESPN reported that he was a leading candidate. Tuesday morning, then Pete Damo Yahoo and our colleague Matt Zenitz of On3 reported that this was inching closer to being a done deal. And when you get to that point, as we've seen over the last few days with the reports of Brian Kelly to LSU or Lincoln Riley to USC, once the word gets out there that a guy is a leading candidate for a job, all that's left to do is the waiting, right? right. The waiting for it to become official, the ink to become dry, sometimes not even dry, on the paper before it's announced. A and Zoom so, handshake sometimes, just kind of yes. a, a, a verbal agreement even. Yeah, it's yeah. the Zoom raise hand function, right? Um, but yes. <laughs> so, you know, this is a great move for Brent Pry. I think he fits Virginia Tech. I think that he's been recruiting this area for so long, so he knows what it takes to get players in this particular region and where Virginia Tech recruits in the ACC. And look, it's not a bad time to be joining the ACC, T. Frank. Clemson's down. Uh, Pitt's going to be losing Kenny Pickett, and I don't know what they look like moving forward. I mean, I don't think it's a super high-pressure job in that anyone expecting Virginia Tech to immediately return to some of its better days is, is probably a little bit uh, over-excited, maybe, or over-hyperbolic about where this thing is going. But, you know, it, there's not like it's the most difficult conference in the world to play in. So yeah. for your first-time job, he said before the Rose Bowl in 2016 that he was going to be patient. And if the right opportunity came along, he would take it. But that he loved being at Penn State, loved living in State College, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, this was something that he didn't take lightly. This was a decision that he knew he might one day make, but he wasn't just going to race to the first opportunity that he had. And now I think he's found something that is really good for him and for uh, you know Virginia Tech. And like I said at the top, Penn State has a lot to thank him for and should be appreciative of what he's done over the last handful of years here. And we'll focus on the Penn State implications. First, just kind of talk about Brent Pry. You mentioned it's a good fit. We were talking before the show as well that you think that it was it was really a now or never sort of situation where this was the right opportunity uh, in terms of the number of jobs available and then the right one came available. Right. So just what was your thought about why it had to be this year in in particular? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he's 51, so I, I'm not, you know, there's been older head coaches hired for their first job, uh, but there's not many of them, right? I mean, it's increasingly a young man's game in the head yeah. coaching carousel. And so 
you look at some of the jobs that came open this year, I'm just not convinced that most of those opportunities are going to be there next year. Certainly not the places we're talking about at the current moment. And while there will be some coaches on the hot seat and fire next year, that's how this always works. Who knows if it's going to be somewhere you have familiarity with or somewhere that does have some history, does have some resources and so on and so forth. So to me, it just made a lot of sense that if this is what he wanted, Obviously, if his goal in life was to one day become Penn State's head coach, that's not going to happen with James Franklin now having a 10-year deal. So if he wanted to jump, I think this was the right time to jump for him, for his family, of course. And, you know, again, I think that the fact that he has so many mid-Atlantic DMV Pennsylvania recruiting ties is going to serve him well down there. Virginia Tech, I don't have it in front of me. I'll try and pull it up here as we chat. But, you know, Virginia Tech is not exactly a walking giant in the recruiting world. Yep. But it is in an area, T. Frank, where there are a lot of good players. A yep. lot of good players. And they've had in they've had individually team. great players that have come through that program as well. Khalil Herbert, right. Christian Derrissaw, um, a couple of the guys that went to the NFL. The name is escaping me. The corner with the back injury. They've had a lot of uh, quality players come through that program. Yes. And so I'm looking at it now. The on three consensus has these guys at number 20. They have 24 commits. This is not good. This is not good podcasting. Just stay, stick with me here. 24 commits, three of them four stars. The two four stars are guys Penn State was interested in, in running back Ramon Brown and offensive lineman Gunnar Gibbons. Um, and they have 24 commits overall. So who have to keep those guys who have to decide? Yeah. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna find out pretty quickly that this head coaching gig, and he knows this, but you got to make some hard decisions. And there might be some guys in that class, T. Frank, that he's like, hmm, I don't think this guy's gonna play for us at Virginia Tech. So how does he handle those situations? Does he try and pluck any of Penn State's commits? Yep. I doubt, but maybe. Um, so you know, he's gonna be thrown right into the fire here. It's almost, uh, you know, it's funny because you know the one story I love and. I think uh, Ben Jones actually talked to Ben Jones State actually talked to Brent Pry about this. What do you do with your clothes from your old school? I mean, he was out recruiting on Monday, we assume, yep. in a Penn State polo with a logo on it and maybe a Penn State hat if he was cold. Today, he needs to have a Virginia Tech one on. So uh, it's just, it's an amazing kind of thing where you go from selling one program and vision to another in like literally hours. Uh, but that's just the way the college football world works anymore. He has, what, 16 days until National Signing Day, the early National Signing Day, to do whatever he needs to do, in his opinion, to put Virginia Tech in the best place to be. So, you know, uh, again, it's going to be fascinating to see how all that plays out. Uh, two notes before we move on to some of the Penn State implications in this process. The first being that John Orand reported today that the ACC network is now being carried by Comcast. And if you think that doesn't matter... It does from a financial implication for the ACC, and it just ex increases the exposure and brand awareness for the whole program. Uh, another thing about the note about the fit and all these things, guys at Virginia Tech that I was following were saying this is the next Bud Foster. So from a cultural fit, from a personality fit, it seems to be perfect for what uh, for what Brent Pry is and what Virginia Tech wants. And you made a good point about the offensive coordinator. What does he do on that side of the ball? Because I'm always interested in defensive head coaches. Some of them look at offense as the enemy, even when they're the head coach. And you cannot look at it that way if you're the head coach. And I think Brent Price is smarter than that. But it'll just be interesting to see what type of head coach is he. Uh, some of the things that are going to be implications for Penn State 
what does this do to recruiting? I'm just going to ask you that question in general. We'll get into some specifics. So what do you think this note of Penn State's defensive coordinator and linebackers coach leaving the program, what do you think that does to recruiting just on the surface level with that information? Yeah, so I have a story up at bluewhiteillustrated.com that kind of focuses on this topic. And, you know, I was talking to our recruiting expert insider, Ryan Snyder, this morning as this news started percolating out to make sure that my opinion on this uh, coincided with what his thoughts were based on all the games he's been to, the players he's talked to, etc. But feels to me like this is something Penn State should be able to weather, T. Frank. You know, for those of you who read uh, the recruiting interviews that, that Ryan does or whoever, you know, defenders that are committed in this class and recruits overall never had a bad word to say about Brent Pry, but he wasn't often brought up in interviews. It was oftentimes position coaches or James Franklin or just the defense overall, which he, of course, creates. But Brent Pry was a willing recruiter. He was always on the road. He was always doing the things you need to do in modern college football to win recruits. But he was not – and it's not, a lot of coordinators are not. This, you know, major, crazy, great, uh, always talked about recruiters, just not the way it works. They kind of came and closed the deal on the big name guys and really every guy. And they set the tone for what they're looking for and so on and so forth. But I don't really look at this class, T. Frank, and say, you know what, this guy or that guy or some other guy will be uh, so upset about this that he's going to leave. I just, I think maybe you get one or two guys like that, but to me, they weather the storm here. You uh, even and, at linebacker guy like Abdul Carter, who is at the position. And then another question about uh, Jay Sean Barham is another name that I know is out there. That is a linebacker. People are, our Penn state has been linked to this whole time still hasn't made his decision. So those two, I guess were some of the ones I was thinking about specifically. Do you think in those regards at his position that he coaches that has an effect? Maybe uh, I could see that certainly being an issue for a guy like you mentioned, Abdul Carter, who has been committed to Penn State for a long time, had plans of playing for Penn State. You know, Ken Talley, Keon Wiley, these guys are maybe edges, maybe linebackers, certainly uh, would have expected Brent, Brent Pride to have an impact on their career. But I mean, you know, I guess my main takeaway is this, and Ryan uh, Snyder posted this in the Lions Den forum on Tuesday morning, but you know, he was told by Denai Dennis Sutton that even if James Franklin had left, he was planning on coming to Penn State. Mm -hmm. So if you have your leader and top-rated guy in his class saying that, you would assume it trickles down to almost everybody else uh, on the list. And so, I, like I said, you know, history tells us that losing a guy or two when you lose a coordinator could happen. But I guess my biggest takeaway at this point, what I would say to fans is don't be surprised if it does happen, but don't guarantee, don't think it's a guarantee that it will. Because again, I just get the sense that a lot of these guys came to Penn State for Penn State and for James Franklin. And Brent Pry was, of course, part of that, but they trust Brent, or, uh, James Franklin to hire somebody that can do the job Brent Pry was doing. That's not the, you know, that sounds like I'm taking a shot at Brent Pry. It's not. He's going to be difficult to replace. Yeah. But these guys, know what James Franklin believes his program can be, knows what he wants in a coach, and knows what kind of guy he wants on his staff. And and when you put all those things together, I think recruits trust that he will be just fine uh, making this higher now that he has to make, which, again, is probably one of the biggest ones of his career at this point. Yeah, and, and you you mentioned something that just jarred my memory. You, you said you would expect at least one coach to leave the program a couple weeks ago on the recruiting podcast, and I was like, 
hadn't even thought about that. This staff seemed pretty stable, but kudos to you for for nailing that one and a big one in general. But the point, I think, too, that you're well, making is... Well, Brent Pry, for the record. I would not... <laughs> I'm not sure I would have predicted that, yeah. Uh, the, the point that I think you just made, though, is that with James Franklin and the renewed contract and some of the promises from Penn State that he's secured... He's supposed to be able to go out and find a guy of Brent Pry's caliber. This is not going to be some situation where you are left hanging. They now have the resources to go get a guy and replace better than they did previously, but he has yet to actually have to replace a defensive coordinator because Brent Pry was the co-defensive coordinator with Bob Shoup back before in 2015 before he took over the full defensive coordinator job when Shoup moved to Tennessee. So this, as you point out, only the second one he's had to hire. Kind of a big deal for James Franklin. Now, the next part to me is very interesting because we've mentioned the offense is going to be one thing for Pry, but the defense might hit home for Penn State. What is the realistic scenario that one of the positional coaches or somebody important to Penn State's defensive personnel uh, goes with Pry to be a part of his new staff? Well, I think one thing that's important to note here is that when you look at the guys who could come with Brent Pry to Virginia Tech, this is not saying he has to keep any members of the current Virginia Tech staff, but Ryan uh, Smith is a former Penn State GA that's on staff now at Virginia Tech. He coaches the corners. So I would be surprised if Brent Pry didn't at least offer him the opportunity to stay on staff. I assume he liked working with him. He seems to like all his GAs past and present. So keep that in mind here. You know, John Scott Jr., the tie when he came to Penn State as a defensive line coach from South Carolina was to Brent Pry. Their pass had crossed in a previous stop in both of their careers. So it's it's just easy to wonder if he would want John Scott Jr. to come with him. And so I think you have to watch for that. You know, a lot of people wondering if Terry Smith, now that they've worked so long together, would leave Penn State. I don't know if I see that. But, hey, man, you never know what other opportunities are out there until they're presented. So time will tell. Anthony Poindexter, you know, what does him and Brent Pry uh, have as a relationship? They've been together now for you know, a little bit of time and maybe Anthony uh, as a Virginia ace recruiter would yep. be a great fit for that staff and perhaps even as the defensive coordinator. So, I mean, I think, and then De let's not forget Deion Barnes. Everyone loves yeah. Deion Barnes. You could easily see him getting a promotion anywhere at this point, including with Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, or if John Scott Jr. leaves, perhaps he just bumped Deion Barnes up and that's that. So, it is going to be an interesting a time to see what Penn State does here. I feel like, T. Frank, we should just note that we're recording this Tuesday and this stuff changes fast so yep. by the time you're listening to this whether it's on your drive home from work or while you're at the gym this evening or whatever uh, or even if it's Wednesday morning or something I mean just keep in mind that this stuff moves quickly so some of the stuff and guys we're talking about there may be a resolution out there already uh, that's happened between the time we recorded this and the time you're listening to it so just something to keep in mind yeah and bluewhiteillustrated.com Penn State on three on Twitter, if you want to follow the news there, or BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, a great opportunity here to talk about. You can get uh, 12 months free of our coverage of all of this stuff, including football. Uh, Greg covers wrestling as well for the for the Olympic sport fans out there. Just $1 for 12 months of access. So there is no such thing as an offseason in football because as soon as we're done with this show, we're going to be talking about recruiting later. Then we're into the offseason conditioning, who's getting better, who's not getting better. Well, then we're into spring ball. And look at that. We've got more things to talk about. It's never over. Except for when we go on vacation in the summer. But still, we'll have stuff there as well. Um, Penn State hasn't always done a great job with James Franklin at replacing positional coaches. 
Yeah. Now, especially some yeah. of the stories and situations that happened on the offensive side of the ball. Do you expect that to be the problem going around this time again? Do you think that problem still lingers? Or, as I said earlier, have they addressed that with some of the more uh, expanded pool for salaries for the coaches? Yeah, I, I would say yes. I would just say it can't be the problem. You know, you're making a 10-year commitment to James Franklin and, and you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, not just in contract money for him, but also in contract money for his assistants, for uh, facilities and things like that. So the expectation is that you go and get a winner. You go and get a big-name guy. Or if you feel that guy's on your staff, then fine. But you can't screw up this hire. You know, Mike Yurcich came with much fanfare, T. Frank, and I, I don't know if there's any other way to describe his first season than disappointing. And that's not to say James Franklin missed on this one because I have a lot of confidence and belief in what Mike Yurcich can do. Yep. But let's be honest. If you go back to the BWI dailies that we did in July or August or whatever, even early September, there was a lot of promise for this offense, and it hasn't really worked out. And for Penn State, that was a part of the reason they're seven and five. My point in bringing that up is you, we can't be sitting here next November saying that, well, whoever that Penn State hired as the defensive coordinator was not up to the standard that we thought, and their defense was not up to the standard that we thought. And so Penn State's sitting at another disappointing end to the year. That can't happen twice yeah. in a row. Um, now, I mean, look, I, can't's not the right word because it certainly could, but it could. I mean, it, it's just the, the, the standard has to be better. Yep. And then when you're bringing in these highly paid guys, you need to be able to have them produce with the current members of your roster in a way that uh, equals what was expected of them. So that's something to keep in mind, of course. And then, you know, obviously from there, um, I think if you're Penn State, James Franklin always has a short list, right? And let me just say this now. Maybe I'm jumping ahead on your rundown, but I, I'm just seeing stuff pop in on my uh, phone, which uh, watching for any breaking news as we talk here. But, you know, let me just answer this. Uh, you know, if you think that the answer here is Dan Connor or Paul Puzlozny or LeVar Arrington or even Sean Spencer, my response to you is no. I just would be floored <laughs> if that's the direction James Franklin goes. Is Paul, are any of those are any of those players other than Sean Spencer uh, coaching currently, or are they? I just... believe Dan Connor's coaching somewhere. I think Connor and Puzlozny might be at a much lower level, of course, okay. but. You know, and again, I'm probably skipping ahead here, so you can stop me if so. But, you know, I, I just think it's really important to remember that James Franklin has made, as we talk about this conversation of macing on hires and making hires, he's made not a super ton, but at this point, his only a first uh, original staff member left is Terry Smith. Yep. So he's had to make, at minimum, what, nine hires plus, I mean, we're talking, what, 15 or so? I'm not going to do the math. I'm not a math guy, but unless it's on best bets, then we can do that math. But, um, <laughs> it's, but it's not a math in the moment. The math right. in the moment it's, is as much about the pressure as it is about the math. That's right, yes. But my point here is that with all those hires that have been made, think back about it, Penn State fans. Think about what you read, what you heard, what you thought could happen for all those hires how many of them actually ended up being the guy that everyone was talking about before the hire was made? I would submit to you zero. Yeah. Beyond maybe, you could maybe say Ricky Ronnie getting promoted qualifies as yeah. one. But, but he was on that, the roster. It's not like bringing yeah. in a bit. So there's always this element with, with, I think, general ideas of throwing out guys and names you know. You start thinking about just names you know and which ones are awesome. Right. So Paul Puzlesny was awesome as a football player. So what about pause? Right. Bring back that 
there's a certain percentage of the fan base that is trying to recapture something from Penn State football to make it feel like it used to. And I just, uh, that's, to me, that's always an element of the emotion of those particular players. And that happens with every fan base because that's kind of an easy link, but not necessarily one that I think makes a lot of sense. So I want to go back. I want to circle back to something because I, I think we still have a couple things I want to clear up there. When it yeah. comes to John Scott Jr. and Deion Barnes, Deion Barnes was a superstar this offseason with this particular recruiting class. Uh, a lot of really highly rated players coming in along the defensive line. Between those two coaches there, because Deion Barnes is a graduate assistant, he's going to have to move on soon. What do you think is is the preference for Penn State football if something were to happen on the defensive side of the staff, specifically at that position, if Brent Pry were well, to take one of those guys? I would say the preference is you've got to keep one of them. I mean, yeah. you know, there was a lot of talk. One of the things people were talking about this morning, and I am a little hesitant to kind of buy into the whole thing, but I think it's a fair conversation and viewpoint to have is that some of Penn State's problems are related to some constant turnover at certain spots. I mean, you know, John Sean Spencer was here for a while. Now you have John Scott Jr. Uh, Matt Leingrover was here. Now you have Phil Troutwine. I mean, so I think some blame the issues Penn State has on that. I don't know how much of that is the case. I mean, look, Alabama gets new assistants almost every year, and they keep chugging along for the yep. most part. So yep. I'm not super ready to buy into this idea that – a turnover at certain positions is the problem, but you I don't do have any three techniques. Important. Like you right. don't have any, you don't have any insanely talented defensive linemen on the interior. You have good prospects that either work out or don't work out. Uh, that's that's the reality is you don't have those NFL type bodies on the interior, and you get a, a quality amount of pass rushers on the outside. But yeah, it's it's to me, it's always about. Alabama, you mentioned that it's a perfect example of a case study of any system and any scheme will work if you have overwhelming talent. And and Correct. that's part of the the analysis here. Uh, but when it comes to uh, the, the other defensive coordinators, I did want to mention this quickly, just the titles that they have right now, which either are for um, payment purposes or not. I just want to bring this up if I can find it quickly. Ah, right here. Uh, Anthony Poindexter is currently the co-defensive coordinator and uh, Terry Smith is the assistant head coach, associate head coach, right. and defensive recruiting coordinator. So to me, if you're talking about guys that are on the staff in Penn State, talking about uh, developing not just players but coaches, Ty Howell becoming a coach previously on the staff, to me that's what I'm looking at as far as I think James Franklin wants to promote from within. He wants that growth to happen from the from the interior. Do you think Anthony Poindexter, I know he's a veteran coach, has he been here long enough to take over that mantle? Because Pry was here for a while. It was kind of a chomping at the bit sort of moment for him when he became mm -hmm. the defense coordinator. Has, that, has there been enough time for one of these guys to actually take over that position internally? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of it is just, it's shuffling off some responsibilities, right? So right. like, trying to think of the right way, I don't want to, make this come off the wrong way but you know it's doing some things either publicly or privately that the head coach just might not have time for whether that's going to a speaking event somewhere whether that's doing some stuff internally administration wise going to meetings whatever you know you have to have somebody you trust that if you're out of town or you have five things you have to do all at 10 30 you better have a guy or some guys that can do a couple of those so or have a time machine so. Right. Well, yeah, that too. Right. Uh, <laughs> he has a private jet and five more hours in this contract of using it than in the last one. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the key there. And you make a good point too. A lot of this stuff is financially 
uh, motivated, not necessarily actionable, so to speak, but there are some responsibilities with it. So, yeah, and Terry Smith has taken on a good chunk of that kind of stuff, too. You know, I'm not sure the difference between associate and assistant head coach other than money, but yeah. uh, Penn State did have both of them, so... Yeah, and and that's um I I think specifically Terry's job description is much more of that. That's to me I, I'm looking at Anthony Poindexter, and to me as far as coaches, and I know that he had super talented players going back to our previous conversation about just have better defensive tackles. He had a, a superstar in Jaquan Brisker at his position this year, but he just has the profile to me of an up and coming guy that P Penn State's going to want to keep. And if they can do that by promoting him to defensive coordinator, my wonder is if it's just a little bit too early. If he if if they're going to run a different system, kind of how that's going to work it, as opposed to Brent Pry, who kind of was groomed under Bob Shoup to be the next guy. Uh, the next question I have, and this is one that I think is, is more of a formatics thing really than, than anything else. If Penn State goes out of structure to find a defensive coordinator, do you think there could be any coaching turnover on the staff of, I don't want this or that with my staff. So this guy doesn't really fit. Um, perhaps, I mean, I, I think that, you know, anytime you get a coordinator and again, they could, it's not out of the question that they promote internally, either Poindexter or Terry Smith. So I think that's important to keep in mind that that is unlike, you know, this is not unlike the Ricky Ronnie thing. I just don't, I guess what I have a hard time figuring out is I can assume Poindexter wants to be a, a DC again, T Frank. I'm not, I just don't know if Terry Smith is pleased with the role he has. I don't know if Temple is going to show interest in him. They have an opening. He's a PA guy. He coached there before. Let's not rule that out if he wants to be a head coach. So there's a lot to figure out here. I mean, I hate to I hate to say that there's so many puzzle pieces that it's hard to put the puzzle together right now because that just sounds cliche and also kind of dumb. But I think it's true. Yeah. That <clears throat> excuse me, you have a lot to figure out here, and a yeah. lot of guys have to make some decisions. But I typically, if you have guys on staff that you like and that you weren't planning on firing, your defense new coordinator is not going to fire those guys unless. He's only coming to your school if he can bring someone to your school, which mm -hmm. you can make the argument that that might not be. Why does he need that guy? What does that guy do so well that he has to come be in the same role, not a lot of promotion, the same role uh, compared to the last school? So I would say probably not, but this is not – to. I mean, I guess to answer your question, this is not the – only coaching move we'll see for Penn State this offseason. I'm starting to get that hunch. Yeah. You know, if you'd have told me a week ago the over under was one and a half, I'd have taken the over. And again, I would not have had Brent Pry as the first domino to fall. So I think that says a lot about what is going to happen this offseason. And, and this is now you, you jarred something that I've been thinking about a little bit of what do you what sort of job do you think Terry Smith has done in the development side for the cornerbacks of Penn State. Tariq Castrofields came in as a high four-star guy that, that the staff loved. Joey Porter Jr. has taken some strides, some movement forward. How much you put on the plate of the positional coach for that versus the player? And I guess then, should you be, if you were in this moment of flux, looking to upgrade whatever? And would that fall under the purview of upgrading? Because I know some Penn State fans have been very upset with the corners over the years. And I just want to get your, yeah. your view on that idea. Well, I mean, look, Brent Pry, we've heard James Franklin say a lot. I'm not sure if Brent Pry's ever said it. I'm not sure he really loves the comparison, but this bend but don't break idea is yeah. accurate. There's no question. Yep. And so, you know, there's been some elements of the corners where it has been, especially the safeties too, where it has been bend but don't break. They've recruited some really high level guys that maybe haven't performed as their recruiting ranking has indicated. 
I think Brent Pry is a great football coach. I think he's a great developer of talent. I think that they have at times struggled to sort of make that uh, back end of the defense as good as they want it to be, and they were pretty good this year. So, you know, again, to your point, it goes back to talent. You know, we can talk about scheme and this and that. I do think Poindexter – it's you can't I don't know if there's a what's the word I'm looking for here a tangible thing you can point to to say Poindexter improved the secondary all by himself but it certainly feels like that's a much better group today yes. than it was uh two years ago yeah. so I think he did make a pretty big impact in just his first season but for Brent Pry I mean the biggest question is look moving forward what do you need from this Penn State defense you need less missed tackles which that's a problem across the sport it's not just a Penn State problem but it yeah. is a Penn State problem so I think that's one thing you know he was very stuck in his way at time yours the X's and O's guy but I felt like he was very stuck in his ways and belief at times the, but, the funny thing know, is that this is the year they evolved so this right, is the, this is the uh, year absolutely. that they did different things. So yes, it's very fair of they they did a lot of the same things when it came to soft coverages and and uh, very basic zones where you're just going to run to the football. This year they did right. more complex things, and I think part of it going back to personnel. Ellis Brooks is very smart. Brandon Smith is very athletic. You finally had a secondary that you could use in that way. And safeties are so important to disguising coverage and making your defense multiple that he had those things. So you felt like there was a little bit of a, a change. Do you think this year, right. the tackle part, I think is very fair uh, over the last couple of years. Is that something that you saw improve or was it still pretty static as far as the tackle problems that they had this year? Well, I mean, uh, Brent Pry is responsible for coaching Brandon Smith, and I don't really know if there's <laughs> any way you could argue that his tackling's improved over the last handful of seasons. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I would start the conversation there. But, no, you're right. This was the year that we saw some pretty major improvements. And some of the stuff, and, and I would use a different word, but some of the stuff uh, that was problems in years past really hasn't been so far this year. So I give them a lot of credit for that. And I think that that is kind of where, and I'm not sure what Ratner run down here, T. Frank. So as always, just just pull me back if I get too far afloat. But yeah. I think that's your biggest question right now, as it relates to Anthony Poindexter or Terry Smith possibly becoming Penn State's next defensive coordinator compared to an outside hire, is how does James Franklin evaluate their impact on this Penn State defense this year? Not just the on-field performance, but the off-field stuff that led to it as well. So. Yeah. I, I just I, I can I would love to be a fly on the wall in his private jet as he's flying all around Florida today and trying to figure all this out because he has a lot of decisions to make. And again, you know, I'm seeing some people say that, you know, well, he can take his time with this. Well, he can play this, that, the other thing. I mean, he could. could. But guess what? I, you can't in this day and age. You can't you know, be the one that doesn't get a seat in musical chairs. That's just the right. end of it. And Well, not only that, but if you want a guy to come in here who has some big four or five-star player committed to him because he's him, you want time to get that guy to come <laughs> to Yeah. And again, the National Signing Day for the early signers is only, what, 15, 16 days away. So um, you don't have to do it today. You don't have to do it tomorrow, but you better have something in place, I would say, by the latest, like the second Saturday in December. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, one quick thing, or sorry, two quick things before we get to the last couple things before we wrap up. Um, I was thinking that this show was going to be about Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame and all the recruits that Penn State has been interested in that are on that staff and, and the kind of the upheaval there. And we're going to get into that later this week. But at the same time, Penn State's got the same problem right now of keeping those guys on uh, in their group 
even though it seems more likely that they'll be able to because it's not the head coach. Uh, the second thing is one of the one of the things James Franklin has mentioned, and I think this is linked specifically to Anthony Poindexter, and why I'm kind of leaning towards I think that's the best idea for the new defense coordinator, Poindexter, is he, he said multiple times that new guys come in and challenge the status quo and ask, why are you doing things this way? You need to be doing them this way. This is how I believe you should do it. And we saw results. I, I don't think that that's unfair to say on the defensive side of the ball, whether or not it was directly related to Anthony Poindexter's suggestions, but the shakeup on the defensive staff, I think, did provide improvement. Uh, so you mentioned James Franklin flying around Florida today, uh, checking in with some of the recruits. How does Brent Pry leaving the program affect that, and how do they fill the holes in his schedule as they need to get to all their 22 guys? It's about honesty, right? So, and I'd be willing to bet that, so Penn State had its in-home visit with Zane Durant, the Florida four-star defensive lineman on Monday. And guys, I know that this stuff is only getting out there Monday, Tuesday, guys, gals, whoever's listening. I know this is only getting out there on Tuesday, but I would be very, very surprised if Penn State did not bring this up to Zane Durant and his family on Monday and say, look, we don't know if it's going to happen but it's probably going to happen. And here's what we're doing to uh, deal with that, so to speak. So, you know, a lot of people want to say that it's notable that Brent Pry was not at Zane Durant's house. And I don't want to misspeak here, T. Frank. So I'm just going to pull up the photo of who was there. It was Joe Lorig, John Scott Jr., uh, James Franklin, Jaywan Sider, and Terry Smith all went to visit uh, with Zane Durant on Monday night. It's a pretty big uh, yeah. in-home visit. You don't typically – do that many coaches at an in-home visit now part of it is because they had so many guys in florida it just made sense yeah uh, maybe they got like you know a two for one at the local marriott or something but other than that um <laughs> you know there was a reason that many guys are there they and have free so, points i wouldn't worry about it yeah <laughs> and so, so all, all those guys weren't there uh and didn't say a word about Brent pry I, I just that's just not the way this stuff typically works i'd be stunned yeah. so uh, my point there is you know, you just got to be honest and upfront with these guys and say, look, coach is moving on. Here's what the plan is, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was all these worries when Penn State uh, moved on from, you know, Ricky Ronnie. How are they going to replace him? How are they going to keep guys? So on and so forth. And, you know, again, just like with James Franklin's contract, T. Frank, these recruits know a lot more about what's going on uh, much sooner than everybody else does. And that's because James Franklin has an approach of honesty with them. And mm -hmm. they keep everybody informed. And at the end of the day, doing that, you might still lose a guy, but you're going to keep more than not year in and year out because of it. So uh, I just think they handle these things well. I wouldn't be super stressed about Penn State losing anyone over this. Again, I think it's more about if you start losing position coaches too, yeah. that could change things, no question. But at the same time, you know, I, I think that the fact that – and maybe I'm reading too much into this, and I'm not Ryan. So, But, you know, they only get one in-home visit. So – if you knew this was happening with Brent Pry, which SB Nation reported that he's been working on his staff for a couple of days, which means people knew, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. James Franklin didn't wake up on Tuesday morning and load up his Twitter feed and see Matt Zenich tweet and say, wow, I can't believe that Brent Pry's leaving. He what didn't have the same Tuesday it? morning that we did. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, uh, these guys are always working on this stuff. All these guys know what's going on. It's not a secret internally. So, 
you know, if they felt like it was going to be a big, I guess the where I'm going with this is if they felt it was going to be a big problem with Zane Durant, they wouldn't have all went to his house. They would have saved the chance to do so. And so right. I think that's good news for Penn State with a guy who has visited other uh, schools potentially in the past. So, and is insanely talented. That is just yes. so talented. So, you know, look, we'll see how it all shakes out. But from my point of view, I don't expect this to be a tremendous recruiting impact for uh, Penn State. One last question I want to get out of here on because I think it's kind of a new wrinkle in all of this. Coaches like to bring in guys that know their systems and know their program so they can establish it somewhere else. Do you think Penn State could lose players via the transfer portal maybe more than we originally expected now that there is a new softer landing pad with Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, especially on the defensive side of the ball? Is that something that you've thought about at this point? It's possible for guys, you know, I just, uh, how many guys, I guess my question would be this, how many guys who can't play at Penn State would be able to play at Virginia Tech is my question. Akeem Beeman is the one that comes to mind as a guy who didn't yeah. play this year for yeah. whatever reason. But again, then, then we're establishing culture and, and a guy that wasn't eligible to play this year. So yeah, that's a very fair point though, but in general, you're not losing anyone important to your long-term success, right? Is that what you're saying? Right. I don't think so. I, I just, you know, guys who have starting roles or key backup roles, I don't know why they would go there. I mean, wouldn't it be, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it, uh, but, <laughs> you know, Virginia Tech might be looking for a quarterback in the portal. Who knows? But um, <laughs> I'm just going right to stop right there. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't know, T. Frank. Could it happen? Of course. I mean, we saw guys, Ricky Slade being one of them, go yeah. to Old Dominion with Ricky Ronnie. So, if there are guys further down this depth chart who believe they can play, you know what? It might be more offense guys too. I mean, Brent probably knows what he has on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And if he felt like he could play more guys, he would have. And so is he really going to take guys he didn't play at Penn State and say, yeah, come on down to Virginia Tech. I mean, if a guy's leaving anyway and he's a good locker room guy that may grow into something, sure. I think it's a possibility. And I do think that in the future, if you have guys from Virginia or the Mid-Atlantic on Penn State's roster looking for a new home, might make Virginia Tech more appealing now that Brent Pry is there. But, you know, again, it goes back to the Puzlozny, Larry Johnson, Dan Connor, Sean Lee conversation. Um, just because past history is there, does not it's not this incredible tie that so many people think it is. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, I think we picked up this rock and, and looked at every facet of it. Is there anything we missed talking today about Brent Pry, new Virginia Tech head coach? No, I don't think so, T. Frank. I think we covered it. It's been good to be on with you. And again, you know, you mentioned earlier that, well, we're going to talk about recruiting at some point this week. Maybe we won't. Maybe this rundown will just change <laughs> every single day as more news comes in. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and following us because, you know, again, this stuff changes so fast and it happens so fast. And things that you never thought you would ever see, like Brian Kelly leaving LSU or Notre Dame for LSU, rather, in like literally about 25 minutes between the first reports of it and the finalization of it. Yeah. It's just not something you see every day. So yeah. who knows? I still find that corner, weird. Like, from, yeah, from like, it, uh, is it that much better of an opportunity? And uh, you are now going into it like Notre Dame. There's a certain amount of insulation of its Notre Dame and there's, you know, academics and honor and all those things. Now you are in the cage fight in, in the SEC right. against yeah, Alabama. You know, I, think, 
I think that Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame, this is according to a number of places, ESPN, Yahoo, The Athletic, said this morning on a conference call that he kind of got the sense at one point that there was maybe a little bit of restlessness with Brian Kelly and a little bit of a desire for a new challenge. He's not going to be a coaching lifer. He ain't coaching those 80s, man. He's going to retire at some point point, sit in the sun in Florida. And that time's probably not too terribly far away. So yeah. I get it from the perspective of, you know what? Go see how it goes for three years or four years or whatever. And if it doesn't work, okay, fine. You're probably about done anyway. And if it does, then you can choose whether you want to go out on top or not. Either way, it's a new opportunity to close out his career. And it will be fascinating to see what Notre Dame does next. See, just like that bonus Brian Kelly information from Greg Pickle. My friend, you're the best. Thank you so much for coming on today. Always a pleasure, T. Frank. Make sure you follow along. you got to subscribe to our YouTube channel, BWI on YouTube. Just search Blue White Illustrated and BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. As Greg said, this is going to be breaking news that happens all week long. The fallout from Brent Pry being the new head coach at Virginia Tech, how it affects Penn State. Greg's going to be on top of it. Ryan Steiner's going to be on top of it. We'll have a whole our whole staff covering all of this stuff, and you can only get that at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Subscribe for 12 months. You pay just $1. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, the BWI Daily Edition. You know we're going to be talking about this stuff coming up for the rest of the week. Stay tuned for that. And again, subscribe wherever you, wherever you, wherever you get your podcasts and to YouTube. Almost stuck the landing.